All right, so MotoGP, we have some big, big storylines. I mean, obviously, we got Fabio's Leather Gate or Fabio Gate or however you want to say. Um, we've got a big time, big time move in the championship from a guy named Miguel Oliveira. Okay, let's just jump into it real quick. Um, first place was Miguel Oliveira. Second place, Joan Zarco. Third place, Jack Miller. Fourth place, Joan Mir. Um, fifth place was Maverick Vinales. And sixth place was Fabio Quartararo. Seventh was Francesco Bagnaia. Eighth was Brad Bender. Ninth was Franco Morbidelli. And tenth was Anea Bastianini. Um, let's talk about the thing on everybody's mind after that race and why is Fabio not wearing an undershirt under his leathers? I mean, what is going on there? I mean, look, I get it. You're in shape. But put some base layer on, man. That leather has to chafe a little bit, right? So we have to throw back. We have to always remember, there's another rider that was, I think, a little bit more famous than than, than Fabio was at showing off his bare chest, and that was Cal Crutchlow. And Cal Crutchlow uh, definitely was not as in good a shape as... <laughs> no. was not was not as pruned as as Fabio is, and, and every time that it would clip, every time that whatever it would clip to uh, to uh, Cal sitting in a, in the pit box, and he had his leathers open, my wife would go, "Oh my God, how is he wearing that suit? Would he not feel so nasty in that suit? <laughs> it's it's yeah. disgusting." And she'd get completely freaked out. No, Fabio, put on a shirt. Thanks. Yeah, ab- absolutely. No, man, do you own a shirt? Uh... <laughs> I mean, I don't know. But also, you know, so there was a famous, before Cal Crutchlow, there was another guy named Randy DePunier, who, by the okay. way, is also French. <laughs> and my buddies and I used to watch at the races we would attend, and we would laugh because DePunier would walk around with the top of his leathers off with no shirt on all the time. And I was like, what is this dude doing? Now, he was in great shape, you know, good for him. But DePunier... And Fabio have probably had many conversations about the comfort of wearing nothing under your leathers. And it's a very and it liberating make, feeling. Yeah, I, it makes me laugh because I'm like, what are these dudes doing? But I digress. So the reason his leathers came down are because Fabio doesn't zip them all the way up. And there was no malfunction of the zipper. There was nothing. But Fabio, he just, he made a mistake. And, and I honestly think he should have been black flagged. That's a super, super dangerous. Um, and then he ended up getting a penalty, an additional three-second penalty because of it. Um, but, you know, I think in the future we got to black flag that. I don't want to see that I, anymore. And if, if, if he crashes, that's just that's going to be horrible. No, I agree. Um, I mean, that would have been a an ugly crash. Uh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, you know, not, not only the fact of, of, of road rash, but you know, if that leather catches anything, then what if he starts tumbling, if that leather catches, I mean, it's going to pull, you know, an arm could be pulled out of socket. It, you know, a lot of, a lot of bad stuff could have happened with that. If it had caught on anything, if it got tangled yep. up with the bike, you know, he might not have been able to get disconnected from the bike. No, I agree. I think that's a black flag. Um, you know, I, I don't know. That close to the end of the race, you know, I'm not going to say would it have made a difference if they'd have black flagged him, um, you know, because is he going to pay attention to something? We've seen Fabio blow a, a long lap penalty before, you know, and ignore his pit, his his dash because of, uh, you know, because he's in the middle of a fight towards the end of a race. Um, so it's just, uh, 
I, I agree. At the end of the day, I agree. I think that's a I think that's a black flag. Yeah, for sure, it has to be a black flag. It has to be. Um, but you know, uh, it is. It was what it was. I mean, I think they'll move forward. They'll they'll change a little bit. They'll black flag them, and um, that's fine. It was just kind of an interesting storyline, right? I mean. Who would have thought that would be the storyline? But let's talk about what really matters, and that is Miguel Oliveira taking his third win, his first in the factory KTM team. This mm-hmm. KTM team is looking dangerous right now. They really are. Uh, they found something, and you know, and that that uh, that special race fuel and that new chassis. Um, yeah, they're they look dangerous is a good word, uh, and they really do. They're on point. I think Brad Bender's just a step behind Miguel Oliveira right now, but. They're going to find something, and, and wow, very, very yeah. strong team right now. Miguel Oliveira is just on fire. I mean, he really is. I, I just I, – I think he's doing great. You know, but there's another story, too, which is Joan Zarco. He is the top finishing Ducati again. And why is he so good this year? Well, what do you think that is? What do you think is happening that's making Zarco so good this year? Is he wearing a shirt? <laughs> we don't know. His leathers re- never come off. He's using that KTM fuel is what it is. <laughs> oh, he, he's mixing the KTM fuel with the Ducati <laughs> motor. I got you. All right. He's no, sneaking I, some fuel. All right. Zarco is, is he, he really took to this Ducati. You know, he's... He's doing very well, like you said. I mean, he, just, he looks good on the bike. He's He looks like he's got a good feeling on the bike. He's... he's He's got confidence on the bike, and I think that be, beyond anything, I think he's enjoying riding this bike too. I, I think he's happy with this team. Uh, I think that he's got a good relationship with this team. Uh, it, it's not stressed like the KTM relationship was. Um, he's not, uh, I don't want to say underperforming, but he's not having the difficulty with the bike that he was with KTM. So, uh, I mean... I think things are just clicking right now, and I think that you you know as well as I do. Whenever some, whenever everything's clicking, it, it's just easy. Th- things come just a little bit easier, uh, you know. And you're not you're not as stressed. You're not working quite as hard uh, to go fast on the bike. It, it just starts to come natural after a little while. Do you disagree? I don't disagree. I, whatever is going on in that garage suits Yoan Zarco. That's what I think, and. I said this earlier to you or this year. I think the competitiveness of Joan Zarco is kind of hidden from per public view, but this guy has taken it personally. Some of the things I think that people said about him when he left KTM, and I think he's fueled that into pushing himself to become a better rider, and that's a big deal. I mean, I mean, good for him. He used the motivation that he needed to find his inner uh world champion you know that world champion that we saw win the moto 2 championship twice in a row Mm -hmm. this guy is 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 a serious contender for the championship this year um you know fabio looks great we all know he's 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 a good ways out front but at the same time yoan zarko has just quietly put together a wonderful season for a satellite ducati team um i've never seen Premac on the podium as much as i have this year um even when they had Jack Miller, they weren't this this good. And moving on to Jack Miller, he had a solid race, finishing third. And he talked about 
he couldn't once he gets behind other riders he can't cool his front tire right and this is something that's very interesting to me because that means that you have to be out front every time or you're never going to have a good race yeah so what do you do yeah yeah you've got to you've got to put it all together uh you know and you've got to have a perfect weekend every single time every weekend um it's that's difficult (laughs) yeah it really is i mean but you know francesco bagnaia finishing in seventh i think that's a disappointment honestly i i don't i love bagnaia i think he's great i love jack miller i think he's great but i think they're getting shown up by this Premac racing team with yoan zarco a little bit and that's well, shocking to me well you got to think how good jorge martin was doing at the beginning of the season before he had his big crash you know because he oh, was yeah. also looking yeah. really really strong so no i think this i think the ducati uh the Premac team is certainly a strong team they've certainly got a lot of you know they got the i'm not sure how much support they're getting from ducati and and what kind of spec machinery you know the Premac guys are running i think that uh, i want to say zarcos is about this is the same spec as uh the factory team correct or is that wrong i i that is how i understand it yes i okay. believe that martin is running one year behind okay but that may not be right he may be also be on factory spec so i don't know but i know zark i, I think i know zarcos on the factory spec yes okay um, I mean, the, the strong teams, and like you said, I mean, you know, Benyaya as well, it, it's a bit disappointing. Um, I'm not sure what's going on with him. You know, we've seen him look really, really strong some weekends, and then some weekends he doesn't look like he's really got it. He's not, not quite there, but um, he's he's still bringing it home. He's still put, you know, he's still putting points on the board, uh, just not quite as many as he as he think as he should be probably. Yeah, that's true. I mean, look. This is his first year in the factory team. There's big pressure, and, you know, he's had a couple of tough moments. But finishing in seventh is not the end of the world. But I think it's just magnified when your your satellite team guy is finishing ahead of both of your factory bikes week right. after week. I think that's a big deal. Um, Joan Mir finishing in fourth. I mean, Joan Mir just does what Joan Mir does, and that is every week – nearly every week he is just super super solid and he's ready to pick up pieces if he can and sneak onto a podium here and there and i mean compared to the other side of that garage he's he's a dream for suzuki yeah i mean he started i mean don't get me started oh no no please start alex (laughs) rins What are you doing? Hey, what are now, you doing? Listen, you ride. Alex Renz couldn't even make it to race weekend before he crashed something. <laughs> you're on a pedal bike. You're texting someone, and you hit a parked vehicle. Is that is that not? Am I to understand? That's exactly. That's that's how I took it. Is that not correct? That's how I understood it. Yes. Come on. Come on. Jeez, whiz. <laughs> I don't, I, 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 we need I, a video. We need to start doing video because I'm just shaking my head. I'm just sitting here shaking my head, looking around the room, looking for something to throw because I had so such, uh, nah, whatever. Jo- Joanne Mir carrying the Suzuki team right now. And Joanne Mir had a fantastic start to that race. Joanne Mir started in 10th and he was in 4th by the end of the first lap. 
So that was the start that he needed for that race. He didn't have to, yep. you know, work through the pack. He could get with that front runners. He was up into third uh, on the second lap for a bit, you know, and kind of hovered around that. that it, it was in the third for a while, got in front of Jack Miller. And then, uh, you know, Zarco decided to come through the pack uh, again towards the end of the race. And, you know, Mir fell back to, to uh, finally finishing in fifth. But a top five is still a pretty solid finish for this Suzuki team. You know, these are the only bikes that are in on the uh, are on the grid right now for Suzuki. So these guys, every bit of data that Joanne Mir is getting is the only data that Suzuki is getting because their other guys too busy running a pedal bike up the back of a parked vehicle. Well, I mean, look, he doesn't understand why that parked vehicle was there and he would like to know why no one's talking about it. But I think the truth is, is that Joanne Mir is the future of Suzuki and Alex Renz is the future of not Suzuki. Maybe uh, the Ducati the Lenovo. Yeah, maybe the Aventia Sponsorama Ducati future. I don't know. But I think, you know, I don't think he's he's acquitted himself very well. And if he doesn't pick it up, he's, he's going to end up the world superbike. So... I mean, having said all that, I mean, let's let's get over to where I think this race showed me just how much trouble HRC is in for the year, I think. Um, I read an article talking about the former Livio Supo. Do you know who that is? Livio Supo was the crew chief when Casey Stoner was there. He came over okay. from Ducati. Um, and he talked about what's going on at HRC, and, you know, he was very critical. And I think one of the biggest things that I took away from that was that their decision to not <clears throat> to go with Paul Spargaro over a Yoan Zarco, over the Alex Marquez, who they didn't even really give a shot, right. over some other riders that were out there, was just indicative of a lot of bad decisions that have been covered up by the greatness and the brilliance of Mark Marquez. And without him last year, the bike just basically went nowhere. Mm -hmm. Polo Spargaro is really fast, but Polo Spargaro has never won a race ever in MotoGP. Polo Spargaro is an also-ran, truthfully. And... He he does he to me, he didn't really deserve that seat any more than Alex Marquez or any more than uh, Yoan Zarco, because Yoan Zarco got on a Honda and showed him, hey, I can go fast. Exactly the, the move. The I never understood that selection of Polis Barbaro. Um, based on that fact, based on what you're saying, you know, we've never seen Paul Spargo be successful. And, and I think at the time it was, it would have been, it would have been argued, well, he's not on a, um, on a machine that is at the same spec as the Honda. Right. Well, well, look, look now what we've got going on, you know, and these bikes have been frozen uh, as far as engine development since last year. So this is uh, this is the same engine, right? Last year, 
as what Polis yeah. Bargro was riding on, right? Right. And, and we saw Polis Bargro. Now, now, we did see Polis Bargro at the front of the race when we had the big crash last year at Red Bull Ring. Um, Polis Bargro was leading right. that race. He was he was putting he was building a lead as well. And, and I think that you know had that race gone on, possibly we would have seen a Polis Bargro win. We also saw Polis Bargro at the second uh, at, at the uh, the second Red Bull Ring GP or the first. I'm not sure. I can't remember what what order they were in. You know, fighting for, with Jack Miller for the win and then. Miguel Oliveira was there to pick up the pieces whenever Polis Bargro inevitably went in too hot and caused everyone to go wide, you know, ran ran himself wide and Jack Miller uh, wide as well. Um, so, no, I really don't understand the selection of Polis Bargro um, for that seat. And, and even furthermore, I don't... I, I don't think that Polis Bargro needs... To be in that seat, I think there's other riders that are open to uh, rider development that know that they have some things that they need to to improve upon and work on their craft and learn their craft as well as work and learn the bike. And I don't think that that's Paul Spargro. Every time that we've seen the HRC, the Honda do poorly in a weekend, a lot of what I'm seeing is it's the bike's fault. And that really bothers me um, because we know that, yeah, sometimes the bike might not feel good, but you're blaming the bike for every single time that you put it on the deck. It's not true. Yeah, we all know that that's not true. It's not the bike's fault every single time. We all know that. But... At the same time, you know, we also know that, you know, Pole likes to throw tantrums. He he likes to blame other people. And, I mean, what was it he said this, uh, maybe the week after this, that he hopes that Honda gets concessions? Are you kidding me? HRC doesn't is never going to get concessions. That's not going to happen. They have an eight-time world champion in their paddock, a six-time world champion or five-time at least, I think a six-time world champion in Mark Marquez in the MotoGP level. So you know what, Pole, it's not, that's unnecessary. And you know what, I, I can't believe the Honda bosses didn't just lose their mind on him. Honestly, that's crazy. So, I mean, I, I think Pole is a huge problem, and I think they need to get out of that contract. Buy him out, do whatever, yeah. and start over. Let's put a pin in this. Because I want to circle back to this for the Saxon Ring race. Um, I agree, and I think you know exactly. I think you know where I'm going to go with it um, about a, a, an article that was given after the Saxon Ring race. So let's put a pin in Paul Sparger and come back to him. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I'm with you. We can do that. Um, and then I, I think my other takeaways, you know, from that race, I think, man. I just always wonder what could have been with Morbidelli had he gotten a good bike. Uh, you know, yeah. he's really yep. pushing that old bike around, but there's only so much you can do. Yep. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge Franco Morbidelli fan. I really am. Yep. I, I mean, yep. and I think he's a, he proved to us last year that he is a, is a talent. He's a, he's a power. He's a force to be reckoned with. Um, and, I, and I think that, you know, I hate, I hate it for Franco Morbidelli because – 
he needs to be on a factory team. He needs to have factory support. He needs to have up-to-date equipment. He needs to have the, the cutting edge. And, and and I know that we've talked before about Valentino Rossi and the fact that Valentino Rossi has, has earned the right to race as long as he wants to for whoever team he wants to because he has, you know, how far he's advanced the sport and, and yeah. how he's built the sport and what he's done for it. But I'm, right. I, I really think that Franco Morbidelli deserved a factory ride over Valentino Rossi. Excuse me, not a factory ride, a, a factory bike, a fa- an A-spec bike, um, you know, over uh, Valentino Rossi based solely on results. Um, and, and I don't think he... I don't, I don't know. That's where, I'll, that's where I'll leave that comment. You know, I think that Franco okay. Morbidelli definitely needed to have that, that, that factory spec machine. Well, and, and, and you know what? There, there's some truth to it. Uh, it's, it's not like it's not true. Um, so, you know, I think, I think it's a discussion that will go on for a long time. And the truth of the matter is that this sport is driven by results, right? Right. And right now, you know, Rossi's not getting results. Um, but to be f- perfectly honest, neither, neither is the other side of the uh, the Yamaha Monster Energy factory team garage. Absolutely. This fifth place for Maverick Vinales was a solid race for him, and that's where we are with Maverick Vinales now. If yeah. he finishes in fifth, we feel like, oh, he did a good job. And I don't think that's where we should be. No, he started this race in sixth, so he made up one spot. Yep. Um, and he only got that spot because Fabio was out there undressing himself <laughs> on the track. <laughs> That's true. That's absolutely true. It, it, it would have oh, been a sixth place. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, thanks Fabio for helping your boy out. But at the same time, you know, I, I just feel like there's just stuff going on beyond the, behind the scenes. We've talked about it before. There's a lot going on behind the scenes that we don't quite understand. Right. But in terms of just fan, a fan watching the performances, I mean, it, it's just, you're right. Morbidelli earned a factory bike, but with COVID and everything else that was happening, he just, it was just a bad deal. Um, but you, you just have to do the best you can with what you're doing. And I think he's mm-hmm. doing yeah. that. Yeah. And I think he's earning himself a shot next year with a higher spec bike, regardless of where it is. And I've said it before, it would not be with Yamaha if I was more Bedelli. I'd be like, hey, give me one of these anything but Yamahas. Well, um, there's going to be but, 15 Ducatis on the grid next year. So <laughs> it's true. It's true. You know, if I was more Bedelli, maybe he should go to that Vivar 46 uh, team. And see, you know, and I mean, see what uh, he's part of the academy. Could do. Yeah, he's part yeah. of the academy. I mean, might as well, you know, hop over, stick with the team. You know, I'm not sure what kind of support they're going to get from Ducati as far as you know factory support goes. What what spec bikes are going to be running? But uh, you know, if if it's not going to be a factory spec bike, does Franco Morbidelli still make that? Still entertain that move? You know, does he still think? Well, you know, why do I want to move sideways when you know someone else? is is offering him an actual factory bike you know if we see something open up somewhere um you know if we see a uh, a factory suzuki seat 
vacate. If we see a factory Yamaha seat vacate, you know. Oh, I, I, if I were him, there. right. Well, Ren's seat will be open, and if I were him, I would jump in that seat at Suzuki. I would take that bike. That bike's a good bike. You know, we've mm-hmm. talked about yeah. it. Oh, it's a fast bike. Um, I think it's, that, absolutely, it's a fantastic bike. Yeah. So, you know, I would do that 100%. So, you know, let's just see. Let's just see what happens with that because uh, it's going to be really interesting to me. Yeah. To see um, what Morbidelli does next year, and 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 it, I think everybody should be paying attention because you put that guy on a big time bike, and my goodness. But, you know, he does have that knee injury. Yes. And uh, as we know, he's not going to ride this weekend, which opened it up for Garrett Gerloff, an American, USA, USA. But I don't have high hopes for Gerloff on that bike. I think he'll do the best he can do. But what I do think is that Morbidelli has to make a decision. That knee injury is serious. Um, it's, it, if he gets it operated on, it's a six-month deal. Mm. Um, so he's got to make the decision. And you know what? To be honest, I think I do it. I think I do it right now. Because what am I going to do out there on that 19 On a two-year-old bike. bike, yeah. Um, I'm going to go out there and I'm, I'm risking my long-term health for that? Come on. Yeah, he's, he's obviously overriding the bike to get to the results that he's yeah. even got to get to. So, no, I, exactly. I agree. I think, I, think, I think maybe right now you have a talk with your manager. You say, hey, put some feelers out there. Let me see what's available. Is there someone who's interested in me? Let's start looking. Yep. You know? and, I and mean, like the silly said, season's going to start soon, right? I mean, it's it, going to. And, and Morbidelli needs to be in the GP paddock. If Morbidelli doesn't have a seat, that's that's a crime. I'm sorry. There, there are so many other riders cough. Fabio Quadraro's teammate that need to that don't deserve the seats that they have. You know, there there's just some. Morbidelli's not one of those guys. Morbidelli is he's someone that needs to be in the GP grid and needs to be competing with these with these riders. Right, I, I agree with you. I I think that's one hundred percent true, and so you know we have to just figure out. We I mean, have to figure out. There's what, a really a seat open too, right? Yeah, I mean, sure. I mean, you think that Dovey is the answer, but maybe Dovey ends up at that VR46 Academy bike. I don't think so. I think that'll be only for uh, Rossi buddies. But at the same time, you don't know. And, and maybe yeah. maybe Davizioso's like, yeah, I really just like being a test rider now. You know? Yeah. I'm, no, I'm, no I'm pressure. Good. Go out, ride yeah. the bike, have some fun. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So... Yeah, you know, I, I think I think we have to figure all that stuff out. I I just really really dislike the attitude of HRC, and then on top of that, I really dislike the attitude of one of their riders, which is Paul Spargro. Right. Um. And and it it really it's too bad because HRC has such a high standing to me in terms of the history of what they've accomplished in MotoGP racing. I mean, they have, at this point, at Catalonia, they were on the longest drought, victory drought they'd ever had since entering the championship. Mm. And it wasn't just a victory drought. It was an everything drought. And just for their, for earlier this year, their best rider was their uh, test rider. Yeah. And that's just crazy. That's just crazy. And it, and it can't happen. I mean, they got to be making some better decisions over there. But to be honest, I just have to have faith that um, they're going to get it fixed. 
because I, I like it when Honda's good. Um, and I think, honestly, that a competitive Marquez is better for the sport. Um, even though I'm not his biggest fan, I, I, I think a competitive Marquez is, is there. I could never... I mean, I don't. I really don't care about the other half of that garage. Truthfully, I feel nothing about it. It's just I, I don't have anything. I'm not interested in what's happening, other than to see who's there next year. Yeah, I want to see a change. That's that's it. I want to see a. I want to see another competitive rider that doesn't complain about everything. Um, you know, whenever something doesn't go right, uh, you know, I want to see another rider in the in the in that garage. Yeah, I I think a lot of us that feel like a change might be necessary. Right. I think, I think a lot of us feel like, okay, you know, HRC, you, you just got to admit the mistake, eat your crow and move on. But the season is long as we will see when we talk about Saxon ring and, and maybe, and maybe there's some hope around the corner for both sides of the garage. You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah. But I, I said at the beginning of the year, I see nothing from Polo Spargo that says to me, yep. This guy's gonna do big things later in the year. He's coming to grips with it, but it could be an overnight deal. But until he wins a race, or at least gets on the podium with Honda, mm-hmm. he's gonna have to endure all of this, and he's got to do it with a little bit better attitude than the same one that my seven-year-old daughter does. Ooh. So, I got you know, from that, that was a that was a listen. If you had a, if any of anybody out there deals with a seven year old of any kind, any gender, <laughs> <laughs> then you know. I'm gonna leave that what one. it's like. <laughs> yeah, you know. No, you you guys, you know. I think you guys are just enjoying your life with those with uh, no children. That's a great job. Yeah. You made good choices, and uh, I, some days I chose them poorly. <laughs> truthfully. Uh, but um, you know, but I, I think I think the biggest thing for me this year is that we have seen some guys that need to maybe move on. Um, you know, I, I've said it before, Iker Likawona, who's looked better in the past few races, if I'm perfectly honest. But I think that's as good as he will ever look. That's how I feel about him. Yeah, I mean, those guys right now, I, I, both of those guys are riding for their careers. Or, I'm sorry, not their careers, but they're riding for those seats, right? And both of them crashed right. out. You know, both of them, both of them went out at, at Catalonia. Now um, something happened between Petrucci and Marquez, and I don't know what it was. That was in Saxon. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm in Saxon Ring, and I don't know yeah. what it was. So I, I'm not ready to write Danilo off because between no, the two no, of them, no. yeah. he's been more consistent. No, I agree. And, and yeah, yeah, Danilo. I don't know. I like Danilo, and maybe it's my personal preference. I just like seeing him in the garage, but maybe. Maybe World Superbike's a better option, and he's um, a big guy. He's he's one of the bigger guys in the pack, you know. And and you know maybe that his body type doesn't fit, you know, with the with a, a GP bike simply because aerodynamics, the chassis sizes, they're as compact as they can be, and maybe he's more suited to a bigger bike like a, a superbike. You know, we've seen that without a you know a a really tall Chaz Davies, uh, a fairly large yeah. Scott Redding as well. You know, they've been fairly successful on the superbike level, so maybe it is something that Daniel Petrucci wants to uh, to entertain. But I, I think uh, if you give me a choice right now, I keep I keep Daniel Petrucci, and 
and I think yeah, for sure, I do as well. Needs I, to find another route. Right. I, I I think his experience alone makes him pretty valuable. I, I I just think you know Raul's not coming, so leave Danilo. Help him. Let him work with Remy because Danilo Petrucci's a pretty likable guy. Mm-hmm. So you know I think that's a good that's a good introduction to MotoGP for Remy. But I I, I don't know. I, we're of course we're amateurs. You know, talking things above our head. But of course, that's I, why it's fun. I, but though. this is. But that's right. It is fun. And you know what else is fun? Is making fun of Paul Spargrove. But let you know what? You didn't even thank me for that beautiful gift that I brought you while you were in the hospital. <laughs> and I'm going to take a little issue here because, you know, I've been telling everybody what a great guy you are, but I didn't even get a thank you for going out of my way to find you the perfect get well soon gift. Yeah. So, let you me hear get, you say thank you. You will get all the thanks you will ever need when that flag flies at every single track day that I ever attend from here on out. <laughs> I will enjoy that so much. And you know what else? is? I'm going to tell everybody to come talk to you about <laughs> Pole Espargaro. Because I'm... And you're going to be like, oh, I hate Jason so much. Because we're, we're, we're usually pitted in the same pit or right beside each other. So you know I'll be around watching and laughing because oh, yeah. that's just what I do. So, I mean, I wouldn't have welcome. It I wouldn't have it any other way. Hey, man. You know, we have a good time. We have a good time there. We have a good time here. I like it. Um, but I, I, I want to say that you know, watching the races uh, and not getting to talk talk about them for, I don't know how long has it been, three years? I don't know. <laughs> felt like that. But I, it was so hard. Like, I, I really was bursting at the scene. I needed somebody to, to chop chop it up with. And I'm glad that you you were feeling up to it, man. And um, uh, we, we, are, we are all super, super happy you're okay because it, you know, you did get to ride in a helicopter, uh, so you've got me there. So I want to officially tell you that you win. I'm not going to try to one up you. You, you win the you win the. Cr- I mean, I had the best crash before. Yeah. You you win. Um, okay. Uh, you can. I'll bring the trophy, and we'll we'll put that up at the track day. But is it gonna you definitely hel- win. Is it going to be yeah. a little helicopter? Oh yeah, for sure. I I looked everywhere for a helicopter balloon to bring you when I was coming to see you in the hospital, but I didn't. But I'm glad I didn't because your mom was in there. I don't know how she'd have felt about that. But oh wow. Um, so you know, I, the short story. I have a buddy that had a bad street crash once, and we went in there to see him that day after they had told us we could go in his room, and he's laying there and he's beat up pretty bad, but he's high on the medication. Mm-hmm. And I walked in and his mom is in there, and I'm like. Hey man, that was unnecessary. You win, and uh, his mom was so upset. <laughs> and he was like, "Mom, that's just that's just how our relationship is. That's who he is. You know, he'll do whatever for me, but you know, he just makes jokes." Um, but it's I, the best I did. Medicine, I, man. It, yeah, it's, absolutely. It's the best medicine. Well, I'm sure that my velvety voice talking to you coming in there was like you're like man my life is great i know some awesome people 
I feel like that would happen. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) It's not what happened at all. But I, I, I uh, seriously, this was this this race in Catalonia was really good, and I thought that what I saw in Catalonia um, was a big predictor of the future that KTM is coming. Yeah, and uh, I think KTM is coming. You know, somebody better put out the warning, and I don't know if it's one lantern or two, but. You better do it because they're coming, be it by land or sea. I have no idea, but they're coming, and and it's and it's really cool to see um, these smaller uh, manufacturers having so much success because the behemoths over there in Japan, you know, they they've dominated for right. a long time, yeah. and it's really cool to see these European factories, you know, kind of giving them some right now, and I like it, and uh, I'm hopeful that the rest of the year continues. Uh, so. With that, I think, you know, we've got Saxon Ring to talk about and a lot more stuff to talk about, so we should just end it. Okay. We gonna you wanna jump over into a part three? So this will be our third part three or a second part well, three. Well, yeah, let's 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 go to part three where we talk about the uh the GP weekend in uh Catalonia. And Saxon then maybe Ring, we'll Germany. Or, uh, you know what I said that and you Keep correcting me. I'm just kidding, everybody. You see, this is why I keep Bo around. I'm basically delirious most of the time, but with happiness. And you know, Bo keeps me grounded, and that's why I like him. But um, yeah, let's 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 start part three where we do the review of uh, Saxon Ring with MotoGP with all the classes. Let's do that. We'll do them. We'll run through them pretty quick. All right, guys. If you will jump out, jump right over to part three of episode thirteen. You don't have to jump out on Spotify. It just starts. Don't listen to me. I don't know technology. Mm, that's great. You're editing our video our, our videos. <laughs> well, you're editing our, our podcast. That's not great. I may have made a huge mistake.